0: She's Tori
1: And he's Nick
0: And this is I Want to Rewatch
1: an X-Files Adjacent Podcast
0: In Search of
1: Anastasia This episode was written and produced by Alex Pomanzanoff. It was edited by John Dabney With assistance by Corky Ellers The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode originally aired on Thursday, February 23rd, 1978.
0: In 1917, Tsar Nicholas and his royal family were on the brink of catastrophe. The sudden violence of the Russian Revolution stripped the Tsar of his power. The entire royal family was brutally murdered. A legend endures, however, that the Tsar's youngest daughter, Anastasia escaped the massacre and is still alive today. Mm. Da, da, da 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 History tells us that the Grand Duchess Anastasia was murdered by Bolshevik soldiers in the summer of 1918. Yet, a single woman has for 50 years claimed that she is Anastasia. This has been the constant focus of a romantic and baffling controversy but her claim has never been disproved in search of Anastasia. (laughs) There might be some theory and conjecture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It might not all be facts here. We'll see.
0: Yeah. If this episode and then the X-Files episode we're going to record right after this have taught me anything, it's that I would not be the time cops would arrest me if I was ever trapped in the past because I would not be good at not being able to do stuff. So, That's all I got to say.
1: Yeah. I could see that.
0: Yeah. This episode is very difficult for me to take away knowledge. I already know while we're talking about it. So,
1: yeah, I know. Me too. And that's the thing is like, I already knew. So, when I was watching it, I had to be, I did kind of in the notes, there are some things where I'm like, "Mm, mm, no, that's not correct. But like, I tried to just stick with what they were saying.
0: I mean, we just (laughs) spoiled it anyway. So, you know, whatever.
1: I mean, if you, I mean, I think by now everyone knows. Uh, What happened to Anastasia? But if you don't, stay tuned because we will tell you. Unfortunately, it does not go like the animated movie, which is very good and I highly recommend. But I've never seen the true story. It's really good. It's really fun. It's really good. And the music fucking slaps. It's so good. Uh, But that is not the true story, unfortunately. As long as the
0: music slaps, then I guess we're okay.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's good. (laughs) Rasputin has a very, very catchy song.
0: Hello, fellow kids. (laughs) This music slaps.
1: Shut up. I'm only 40. I can talk like that. <laughs> I hang out with the younger set. I understand there's slang in their lingo or whatever they call it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. So the episode starts and we get a little backstory. So we learned that in 1913, Russia celebrated 300 years under Romanov rule. Tsar Nicholas was probably the richest man in the world. The Tsarina, Alexandria, was a German princess whom Nicholas married against his parents' wishes. They had five children, four daughters, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, and one son, Alexei, who was a hemophiliac, which means he had a blood disorder. Anastasia was born in 1901 and described as the most exuberant of the girls. And then we see them roller skating on the Royal Yacht, and we learn that this was one of their favorite pastimes. And we see some footage of it actually happening, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, and you can tell who the Tsar children are because they're roller skating against the grain. Like everyone is roller skating in one direction, and then these kids come roller skating in the other direction. So they're, yeah. Mm hmm. Tell her used to do what they want. <laughs> Anti-royalist here, in case you're wondering. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm not a huge fan either, but I am sad about what <laughs> happened to them. But anyway, we learned that Alexandria loved to host extravagant social events. Nicholas, a reluctant ruler, focused on his family and court, keeping his distance from the poverty of the Russian people. Always a mistake. Always a mistake. Mm-hmm. 80% of the citizens were peasants. Freed from serfdom by Nicholas's father, hunger and poverty was a daily reality for most of them. Now they wanted to own the land. Workers were demanding higher wages. Yet Tsar Nicholas remained aloof in a world of royal privilege.
0: (gasps) That sounds like it's not going to end well.
1: (laughs) It does not sound like it's going to end well.
0: By 1917, a war with Germany had cost millions of lives and soldiers deserted by the thousands. And there were threats of revolution. Workers went on strike and soldiers joined the people. And there were demonstrations in the streets of St. Petersburg. And then in March 15, 1917, Tsar Nicholas abdicated his throne as requested by his generals who were desperate to restore order. And then Nicholas and his family were held as prisoners. For their own protection, we are told.
1: Mm-hmm. And their
0: fates were uncertain.
1: St. Petersburg became a hotbed of political struggle between several revolutionary factions. Lenin's Bolshevik revolutionaries won power when they stormed the Winter Palace. And then we see a Russian film um, that dramatized this, and we see like their dramatization of it. So it's not actual footage. Yeah,
0: it looks like they're storming the Capitol.
1: Yeah, it does, actually. Mm-hmm. The royal family was taken to a rural mountain town and guarded by Bolshevik soldiers. On July 17, 1918, the family was marched down to the basement and murdered by a small group of soldiers. In search of tells us their bodies were hacked apart and thrown down a mineshaft. Mm. More than 50 years after the Romanov massacre, journalists Tony Summers and Tom Mangold uncovered startling new facts about the fate of the Romanov family. They read an article that was asking what happened to the relics of the last Tsar of Russia, which they thought was an interesting angle to take, like, where are these relics? And it was something that had never fully been investigated, so they started looking into it. They thought it would be a two-week investigation, but it took them about six years. The high point was finding the original files of the white Russian investigator Nikolai Sokolov of the White Guards, who were a counter-revolutionary group that fought against the Bolsheviks. According to those files, Summers and Mangold believe that the truth given to the world was not the whole truth. <gasps>
0: I like the idea of a white Russian investigator. He's like just hanging out at the bar and you're like, mm-hmm. dude, you're drinking. Yep. He's like, I'm just investigating
1: these white Russians. <laughs> he's like the dude, but an investigator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's
0: got his he's, he's got his coffee mate and he's just pouring <laughs> it in there every, every once in a while taking a swig out of the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sokolov investigated the mine shaft where the Romanovs were said to have been buried. They did find human remains, but none were conclusively that of the royal family. Based on some evidence, they did find some corset stays, fragments of bones, a denture, which may have belonged to the Tsar's physician, and apparently a finger. They found just a finger in there. <laughs> Sokolov rashly concluded the family had been slaughtered by Bolshevik soldiers. And then Summers tells us their evidence, which was collected from the testimony of many sources, suggests that the female Romanovs were taken away by the retreating Bolsheviks to a place 300 to 400 miles away and were held there for at least three to four months after their supposed deaths. Supposedly, relatives of guards and people caught glimpses of the family members, but their testimony was suppressed in the official inquiry. (gasps) The Bolsheviks were trying to protect them, right? Is that how it works? But then the soldiers who killed them were they not Bolshevik? I'm confused. They
1: were so I'll, I'll go over what happened in the end, but basically they were guarding them and then they were kind of given orders because obviously, with the royal family, like they can. Be, oh, it's so
0: like Order 66. They were like,
1: <laughs> it was like a figure. I mean, it was Lenin who I think gave the official order, but like. They basically didn't want them to be around to inspire people to try and like reinstate the throne or anything like that. So,
0: okay, I do have to say the whole like the female Romanovs were taken away and held like for three to four months just made my skin crawl. Cause I just
1: yeah, know. I mean it's not true, but it would be really gross.
0: Yeah, just cause you Ooh, yeah. Anyway, I mean maybe it was all fine, but it sounds disgusting. So.
1: Mm-hmm. In the fall of 1918, perhaps September, there were stories that Anastasia made escape attempts from this supposed place they were being held. In February 1920, a half-dead person was dragged from a Berlin canal. She was a young, unidentified woman of about 20 years of age. She was admitted to the hospital for observation and seemed frightened and bewildered and refused to reveal her identity to the doctors.
0: Was she coughing?
1: I don't know.
0: Sorry, that'll come up later.
1: After two years of silence, she finally claimed to be the Grand Duchess Anastasia.
0: (gasps) Dowager Empress Marie, Tsar Nicholas's mother, heard of the woman's existence and sent relatives to investigate. Few could say absolutely that she was Anastasia, yet others recognized the girl immediately. And then they say that none were sure, but then say that they recognized her. So yeah.
1: Okay, in search of. Yeah, it's kind of unclear. <laughs> yeah.
0: Grand Duke Andre, the Tsar's cousin, believes she was Anastasia. Titania Botkin, a childhood playmate, also believed it was her.
1: <gasps> and then we see Leonard Nimoy, and he's standing in a garden and he's wearing a very nice tweed jacket. And he tells us that this woman became the center of a feud among the surviving Romanovs. Political intrigue and the prospect of a huge inheritance played a major role. This woman lived for 20 years pursued by American high society and lived for years as a guest of European royalty. And yet still, she had no official identity.
0: I have to say, not only is he wearing a nice, sweet jacket, but he's got, like, his vest on and then, like, an open shirt, and he's got a cravat. I have to say, this is probably his sweetest outfit, honestly. Yeah,
1: it's a pretty good one. It's a nice one. Yeah.
0: It's also one that you're like, wow, that's, like, because, like, it's all, like, it's, I don't want to say it's mismatched, because that makes it sound like it looks like a awful, but it's, like, it's stuff that you, like, if I was getting dressed, I'd be like, oh, this shit doesn't go together, but it totally goes together. It looks fucking awesome.
1: It does. It looks good. Yeah. Trapped in a Russian zone during World War II, the supposed Anastasia was rescued by a German prince and given a small house in the Black Forest, where she lived under the assumed name Anna Anderson. Plays and movies based on her life brought unwanted attention, and in 1968, she left to marry an American. This was how she got her first legal identity. Today, as in 1978... She and her husband are respected members of a country club in Charlottesville, Virginia. Hmm.
0: Hmm. John E. Manahan and his wife, Grand Duchess Anastasia (that's in quotes), enter the room, and they sit. And so we actually see them; they like come in, and she's dressed like the queen. Honestly, she's got like mm-hmm. crazy red outfit and a hat on, and everything. Also, she's like really old. So anyway, Manahan introduces them both. And he says they were married on December 27th, 1960. At first he mistakes and he says July, but then he corrects and he says December. I'm not sure how you messed that up on television, but okay, dude. And then he says to Anna, people are wondering how we can know your Anastasia. And she's like, how can I tell you who I am? In which way? And then she says that people can believe it or not and it doesn't matter. And I have to say, she's old and it seems like she might have a little bit of dementia going on.
1: Um, mm-hmm. uh, a little yeah. bit, yeah. She yeah. might or might not, but she's. And he's—he's definitely-
0: he's not young, but he's not that old. So it's—it's it's also a little weird. It's kind of like that reverse of like the old dude and the young wife, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind of weird. Anyway, we're told that recently there's been compelling new evidence that Anna Anderson Manahan is the Grand Duchess Anastasia. Ooh. She and her husband live in a small house concealed by greenery with many cats that are her main concerns. That is not the evidence. That's just weirdly written. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but, there are kitties and Tori's excited.
1: <laughs> I was really excited about the cat. So I kind of got <laughs> lost track, but there are a lot, we see a lot of cats. Like she's one of those women with way too many cats probably, but there, she does seem to love them and she's feeding them and stuff. It's cute. Okay, yeah.
0: Manahan is a retired history professor with a passionate interest in royal genealogy, which is not surprising as we Mm -hmm. continue to watch. So he shows the camera some photos of Anastasia and her family, one from 1913. I think it's actually a painting. I don't know. I think it's one of those ones where it's a photo and they painted the colors on it. So it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. And he's like naming all the stuff. And then she comes in from like feeding the cats. And it's like, oh, these cats, kind of thing, and then they argue about where she wants to sit. And she's like, "I'm gonna sit," where, you know. I mean, she just She's not saying the words I'm saying, but like, basically, she's like, "I'm gonna sit where I want." She like moves a mm-hmm. painting off the chair, and sits down, and then he's like telling her to take the hat off because the camera is the shadow on her face. And she's like, "No!" And then Tori wrote that it's super awkward, and it is super awkward because you're watching <laughs> like a domestic dispute on camera.
1: It's just like <laughs> and a husband kinda, wife b- bickering. He's kind of
0: bossing her around. Which is also uh, uncomfortable because she's older and yeah, it's not a good look. So
1: Yeah, it's not great.
0: Yeah, she also has zero interest in this bullshit. Whereas yeah, she husband, doesn't seem
1: like, to care. Uh, no, he seems really, super excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he really wants to convince the cameras that she's Anastasia and he has all this stuff. Like he's got his whole story ready to go and all the photos and then she's just like, meh, I was feeding the cats and now I'm going to sit here and wear my hat. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I don't care.
0: Because She got like a little straw, like sun hat kind of thing on. I mean, it's not like a big sun hat, but it's like, you know, that kind of thing. She's like, no, I'm not taking it off with me alone. In
1: 1967, Anna made a rare appearance outside her Black Forest home, as the German court was expected to rule on her claim of being Anastasia.
0: So this is before she married the American dude, I guess, then, yeah?
1: Yeah, I guess. Mm, that's
0: Black Forest. That was in Germany.
1: Yeah, I guess slightly before.
0: That was a weird jump cut in search of, okay, yeah.
1: And we get some black and white footage of this appearance, so they do have it on film. Her court case had lasted 32 years, making it the longest legal battle of the century. Members of European aristocracy spent small fortunes trying to disprove her claim. In the end, the court ruled that her identity as Anastasia could neither be proved or refuted. So, basically, it ended in a wash. Mm. Ian Lilburn is an expert on the case. He tells us he started out with a very hostile attitude, but he has come around to believing absolutely that she is Anastasia. Not so much because of the circumstantial evidence in her favor, of which there is plenty, he likes to tell us. Hmm but because of the little stories and anecdotes that mean nothing in the court of law, but are vastly impressive, as well as her bearing and manner.
0: Isn't that technically circumstantial evidence, though? I mean, isn't that what he just described as circumstantial evidence?
1: You know, I don't know, because we don't ever get, like, an accounting of, like, what evidence there is other than, like, her age, the fact that she washed up in this location that I guess could have reasonably been close to where they were supposedly being held after they were killed like if they had been held somewhere else like i don't there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence and she is the right age and the right she has the right face i guess i don't know
0: it's just weird he's like not just because of circumstantial evidence but because of this stuff which then he describes a bunch of circumstantial evidence Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of weird mr lawyer all right
1: He also mentions that she was not overly helpful to her lawyer. So his argument is basically that she doesn't seem like an imposter. Like, she's not trying hard to prove this. She doesn't Hmm. seem to care that much. So if she were really an imposter, she would be making a greater effort, is his thinking.
0: Okay. Grand Duke Vladimir, the presumptive heir to the Romanov throne, for whatever that's worth, Tori says. Because, you know. (laughs) I mean, there's no throne. There's
1: probably some wealth. But. uh. Yeah,
0: they're. Yeah, they're not going to hand that over. But anyway, he thinks it's highly unlikely that she is Anastasia. And he came to the conclusion that she couldn't be his cousin. Um, He doesn't give those reasons, but he does say that, like, it's a long list that he doesn't want to go into. So apparently mm-hmm. he has it, but he doesn't want to tell us what they are. So cause it would take too much screen time. And he's like, you guys have a 22-minute episode. I don't want to, you know, use a bunch of it. He's also very creepy looking. You can tell <laughs> yes. that, um, that he is probably like, like royalty because like of inbreeding he's he also i mean it's you know the british family is related to them too and they're all he's very yeah, interchangeable is what i'm trying to say yeah anyway. it's
1: kind of fucked up like how <laughs> all the royals of like the entire like european continent are like in some way related and mostly mm-hmm. like it's pretty messed up when you think about it
0: yeah i mean and prince charles related to dracula so yeah <laughs> prince frederick of Saxe Altenberg has been a consistent supporter of Anna Anderson. He is related to the Romanovs and has known Anna for 46 years and is absolutely convinced that she's the real Anastasia. Also, he may have been just maybe, you know, I'm assuming English is in his first language. And so he was like, you know, trying to make sure he was using the right words, but it really looked like he was going through some shit. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe that, you know, He talks about how like his cousins were also murdered in 1918 and i'm unclear if he means like the romanovs or like other cousins so believing that she's anastasia might just be a comfort to him you know yeah i I
1: mean it might be
0: yeah so and then they play a clip from the film anastasia where ingrid bergman and helen hayes portray a scene where dowager empress marie recognizes anna as anastasia even though this never happened in real life. And this is where we get the cough-cough, because apparently she coughs when she's frightened, and that's how she recognizes her.
1: Yeah, I forget, I think, what it is in the animated version, um, because Dimitri, so the animated version, there's this con artist who's trying to find someone that he can claim as Anastasia so that he can, like... Get the reward for finding her or whatever, and by the time they get to Paris and meet the grandma, she's completely like jaded by the process. She's met so many fakes, and she's just fucking over it. And so when she meets Anastasia, she's just like, "Yeah, sweetheart, you seem like a nice girl, but like we're not doing this." Uh huh. And then she she ends up like saying something about how she got out of the palace when she was like. Dimitri like rescued her or something and she says something that the grandma recognizes it might even be the song that she has in her music box or something but like it's not a cough she's like this
0: slaps. you gotta be Anastasia
1: (laughs) she's like this is such a good song they should turn this into a Broadway musical which they did (laughs) it's actually touring it's in my area right now but tickets are like $200 and I was like "Mm, I'll just watch the animated one again (laughs) So I don't know if the cough is based on anything. Um, I just know the animated movie ran a different direction.
0: That might just be from that movie. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And also I have to say so they just show a little clip of this movie. I haven't seen the whole movie. And Mm -hmm. Ingrid Bergman and Helen Hayes are like Extremely like famous actresses from the time, but the scene they show—that acting is not good, in that right? Scene. Not good at all.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh so glad God. you said that because I was like, I don't want to get on these actresses. I know they're super famous and they've done some amazing stuff, but that scene is like the least believable thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Is awful. She's like, uh, uh, and she's like, "Darling, are you sick?" And you're like, "It's just—it's so weird." Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, "No,
0: I always cough when I'm frightened." And she's like, you cough when you're frightened. As a child, you always coughed when you were frightened. Oh, my darling. And they hug and, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, and she's like, you don't have to cry now. You're not afraid.
1: There's no reason. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so then we learned that recently in Munich, fresh scientific evidence about Anna Anderson's identity was recently made public. <gasps> One of Germany's leading identification experts, Dr. Morris Fudmeyer, made a comparison of Anna Anderson to the real Anastasia and discovered an overwhelming degree of physical similarity based on their facial structures. He believes they are the same people. And he also does like this comparison of their ears and the shape of their ears, and he is convinced that this supports his theory.
0: Yeah, I think he's like one step above like a phrenologist, is what he mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Because And they're showing the pictures, and he's got like these lines drawn. He's drawing lines across the faces to show the distance between like ears and nose and eyes and all this kind of stuff. And you're looking at all the photos, you're like, yeah, none of those match. And then, like, yeah. they match perfectly. It's like those lie detector tests where they're like, look, this is fine. And like the lines all over the place. And they're like, oh, look, this shows. And then the line is not all over the place. It's one of those kind of things where like mm-hmm. you look at it and be like, nope. And they're like, yes. So it reminded me of that.
1: It's one care. of those things where people see what they want to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, they're taking photos of this lady who is like at the time, probably like in her 60s and comparing it to photos of a teenage girl
1: uh-huh.
0: that are not great.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're so, really old photos. Yeah. Manahan says he'd like for people to see that this is the last surviving daughter of the czar Tsar and Zarina.
0: I bet he would.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure for for no selfish reasons at all. I'm sure. <laughs> he asks Anna if she'd like to see a conclusion to the matter in her lifetime and she her response is I spit on it. <laughs> I kind of yeah. like her, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then Mangold returns to tell us that we'll never really know the truth because it is too late to conclusively check out her story.
0: Yeah. the audio cuts out in this and I want to know what he says because he says we'll probably never really know the truth about this Anna Anderson or Anastasia or whoever the hell she is but if she ever becomes and then it cuts out and then he says, like, she, you know, tell, and I'm like, what did he say? I can't figure it out because, like, it's just the audio goes out. And I tried finding clips of the, all the clips I could find are probably taken from the same DVD that we use. Right. And so, yeah. like, they all have the audio cut out right there. And I'm, I suck at lip reading. I can't tell what he says, but I'm like, what is he saying? I wonder if he made, like, some comment that they were like, whoa, like, even in the 70s, they were like, no, uh, maybe about like her maybe possibly having dementia or something and just like said something that was like well we got to cut that out or it actually was just an audio glitch i'm not sure
1: yeah but i guess we'll never really know
0: (laughs) (gasps) it's too late to conclude i mean he's still alive we could find out for over 50 years this single woman's battle for recognition has captured the public's imagination her plight has been one of history's most beguiling mysteries and yet still today 1978. Only she knows for certain if she is the Grand Duchess Anastasia. Today, for Mrs. John Manahan, the 50-year quest to establish her true identity is coming to an end. And also, there was a commercial in between there, so now we're coming back, just so you know. That's why you repeat, basically repeats what he just said. Weary and frustrated from a lifetime of claims, countercharges, and court cases, all she now asks is to be left alone. Which we do the exact opposite of. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, so we do know what happened to the Romanovs, although I don't think we conclusively knew in 1978. So fair, fair in search of. The real story is that the Romanovs, as mentioned above, were being held by Bolshevik guards, and they had been ordered not to let the white revolutionaries rescue them. So the white revolutionaries were trying to plot a rescue mission to get them out of Bolshevik hands. So it's unclear who ordered their execution, probably Lenin. On July 17th, 1918, they were taken down to the basement and they were murdered by firing squad in the house where they were being kept.
0: I wonder if that's why old John Manahan, when he was saying when they got married, he started to say July. I wonder if that's because he was fixated on the dates. I wonder Maybe. If that's
1: why, because that's Maybe. a big
0: that's a big jump from July to December.
1: Yeah, so, it is.
0: It's not even like alliterative. So
1: We do know that the Romanovs had jewels in their clothes. And because of that, the bullets like bounced off them. <laughs> And so that must have been kind of scary for the guards and the guards didn't necessarily want to kill them either I may go into this later but like they had been looking after them and talking to them for a while at this point and were not exactly happy but they did basically get the people who were willing to do it to do it
0: wasn't that one of the stories too about how she survived like one of the guards like fallen in love with her and helped her escape or something yeah
1: i think there was a story about how one of them like helped usher her out or whatever but it's not true they were all shot and if the bullets didn't kill them they were stabbed to death which seems pretty horrible so that must have been terrifying their bodies were put into a mine but later pulled out and moved to a mass grave The bodies of Nicholas, Alexandria, Anastasia, Olga, and Tatiana were found in that mass grave, which was excavated in 1991. The bodies of Alexei and Marie were buried 70 yards away and discovered in 2007. At this point, DNA has positively identified all the remains. However, I will say I do remember as a kid in the 90s hearing stories about how some of the Romanov bodies were found, but some were still missing. And they didn't know like which was which. So there was some theory that maybe Anastasia had not been killed and she and Alexi had escaped. Um, But their bodies were later found further away. And it's thought that they were buried in a different location to help obscure identities. Like if you found like, you know, these bodies, you're not going to necessarily know because there aren't enough of them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think they
0: had trouble. They had trouble telling which daughters were which, too. Yes, they did. Part of the problem, which is why they thought. Alexia and Anastasia were missing when actually it was Alexei and Marie who were missing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: But unfortunately they all did die on July 17th, 1918. So none of them. Russians survived.
0: were not, they were not smooth killers. Like if you think about like with, um, I mean, he hasn't come up at all this episode, but if you think about like Rasputin and his murder, like that was a cluster fucking a half too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean,
1: no, it was really bad. It wasn't, it was not well done at all. So anyway, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, not smooth killers, the Russians at that time. So,
1: Anna Anderson died on February twelfth, nineteen eighty four. We now know that she was actually born Franziska Shankowska. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I apologize. On December sixteenth, eighteen ninety six. So she was five years older than Anastasia.
0: Yeah, which does mean that she was eighty seven when she died, which is kind of impressive considering the life that she actually led. So. Let's say.
1: DNA testing on samples kept from an earlier surgery proved that she was not Anastasia or of Romanov descent. So we know for a fact that she was not even related to them in any way. In addition to Anna Anderson, another woman, Eugenia Smith, also claimed to be Anastasia. She refused to give a DNA sample before her death in 1997, but when Alexia and Maria's bodies were found in 2007, suddenly all of the Romanov skeletons were accounted for and her claim was finally officially disproven Hmm. I also (laughs) I made a note because while I was doing notes on this episode I kept getting yes Anastasia by Tori Amos running through my head um, which was loosely inspired by Anastasia although she said when she wrote it she didn't know anything about the history so like if you listen to the lyrics it does not match up to anything we actually know Uh, but it's a good song it is a good song um, I did expect a rumor in St. Petersburg to be lodged in my brain more because that is an earworm. That is the opening song for the cartoon movie. It's it's good. Not as not the best song from the movie, but talking about St. Petersburg all the time always gets it stuck in my head. But for some reason, Tori Amos won out. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I just kept thinking about Anastasia. Like, you know, looked in my rear view. Now I don't see you. Anyway, that's a good <laughs> song. I like it. She also sang um, one of the World Cup songs. So, oh, ooh. nice. And then the 1976 book that they mentioned that Anthony Summers and Tom Mangold wrote is called The File on the Czar. And they were actually both investigative journalists at the BBC at the time and then have continued to do investigative journalism. Especially Anthony Summers, he is really like like a historical nonfiction kind of guy. He'll spend like a bunch of time writing books about stuff. He's got a big list. You can look on the Wikipedia link I put it in the show notes. They were actually compared to um, Bernstein and Woodward when The File on the Okay, Wow. So apparently their work was super fantastic. And they did some other like some British like scandal stuff too. So
1: Okay, cool.
0: I think, I don't know, watching this, and then we talked a little bit about like maybe she had some dementia. And then obviously when she was discovered she had thrown herself off a bridge. um, Possibly in an attempt to enter her own life. Um, so she may have had some mental issues to go on with. But it reminds me a lot of, like, the Caudalie fairy story, in a way. And this is, maybe doesn't seem like a connection, but with the Caudalie fairies, you know, those are the ones that they took pictures of, and then, like, Arthur Conan Doyle was like, oh, these are totally fairies. And in turn, oh. they were, like, cut out to so the cut out. And the girls who did that, like, they were just messing around, and they actually wanted to, like, Acknowledge that it was just a joke but by the time that they were ready to do that like Arthur Conan Doyle and all these people had come up and they're like all these you know famous men who were like oh yes these are totally fairies and we've done all this testing and these are total like they were afraid to because if they did that would mean that they're saying all these men are lying and so they, they kept it secret the whole time and I'm kind of wondering if this is sort of the same thing or like maybe someone who was possibly having some issues and then was rescued and like at the time, if you are struggling in life and this was a way for you to maybe we, they talked about how, like, you know, people set her up in houses and were giving her money and stuff. And it's like, OK, that's a good life. But then it kind of got out of control. And yeah, like, okay. and that would explain too why she, why she wouldn't be all stupid like, yes, I'm going to fight these court cases and doesn't give a shit because she's like, OK, I've already I've already gotten past that part and I've got, you know money and a husband now is taking care of me. So why should I bother? I'm not going to bother with it. So it seems kind of similar to me of like, it's like like something that was like you said it as like a joke or just as a way at a time to do something and then it got out of control and then it was too late to take it back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could totally see that because it is one of those things, like if it gets far enough and people are filing court cases and giving you money and letting you stay in the royal palace because they think you're like... This princess who, you know, whatever. It's like there, there comes a point where it's really hard to go backwards and say, you know well, what? Why would, Actually... you, why would
0: you give that up too? Like,
1: yeah, that too. I mean, absolutely no kidding. But, <laughs> but even if you wanted to, like, there becomes a point where it just becomes really hard to backtrack and mm-hmm. say, you know what? Mm, no, and do you so.
0: fear like then like legal action against you? Right, being, like, the and then what are you going to do? Or?
1: You're broke and penniless. You yeah. have nothing. So like, yeah, exactly. Like it just puts all you these super
0: list. powerful people are angry at you because they gave you money. <laughs> like, no, so yeah. yeah,
1: no kidding.
0: So, yep, that's my theory.
1: That's not a bad theory.
0: And what the original reason was, or even if she, I. I know at one point I have heard, like, a deeper story about, like, when she was found and that kind of stuff and how it came about, and I'm trying to remember now if, like, she's the one who said that or if that was, like, someone thinking that it might have been her and so, like, the story was actually put upon her versus her bringing it up, but yeah,
1: so. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but. It is interesting that there are two people who claimed that for a very long time. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: it kind of also reminds me of that guy who claimed that woman was um, Amelia Earhart. <laughs> oh, she, yeah. She was like, no. Like, she never, ever claimed that and was immediately – like she was like, no, no, no. She disputed it completely. But, like, it's just funny how people can kind of – maybe someone saw her in the hospital and said, well, she's the right age. Maybe she's Anastasia and got that idea in her mind and mm-hmm. who knows what happened. But –
0: also, similar vibe to Mister um, uh, Manahan because remember that dude was like it was like it was like he was in love with Amelia Earhart. He was super creepy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. 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 Also, about the right age difference too. I think because like when they're arguing in this, when they're arguing about her taking the hat off and where she's gonna sit and it's super uncomfortable. I don't know how old he was, but we know how old she was. It's I imagine she was old enough to be his mother. It was just very weird vibe yeah well and she's um, also
1: five years older than we've you know than thought too so she's yeah. already probably in her 70s well the years. time
0: she would have been well because she died in 84 this would have been like in 77 78 so six years earlier so she was 80 at this point when they probably filmed this if not mm-hmm. like 79 80 81 somewhere in there so and i don't think he was probably more than like late 50s yeah so um yeah yeah it was just yeah that scene was yeah that was ugh, that was awkward watching that <laughs> yeah it
1: was it was yeah so anyway that is the story of anastasia who was not secretly living somewhere unfortunately but was murdered with her family yay
0: yeah mess But never came up and sadly I think we looked on this. I don't think there's an episode of In Search of Unresputin at all, and I'm disappointed.
1: Yeah, that is disappointing. But anyway. But you can watch the animated movie, and he's a big part of that.
0: Okay. And the music (laughs) slaps when I hear. So
1: (laughs) His song is good. Also, it's funny because Anastasia doesn't know that there's, like, this supernatural wizard guy after her until, like, the end when he attacks her. So, like, the whole movie, it's just a romantic comedy for her. Yeah.
0: Is she supposed to have, like amnesia
1: yeah so basically she woke up in an orphanage when she was like you know in her teens and she doesn't remember what happened like i think she was a little she was a younger kid when this happened in the movie so like she was and she just grew up in an orphanage called herself anya has no idea but she ends up looking around saint petersburg and like runs into dimitri and he's like you're perfect you look just like her and so like he's he's ready to convince the grand duchess or the dowager empress that this is really her missing granddaughter and so she doesn't think it's real she thinks she's learning all this shit about the romanovs and it's all like fake and then she starts to have real memories and realizes that oh (laughs) i actually and i actually have memories (gasps) so yeah anyway it's a good movie i really like it it's one of my favorites i've seen it a million times
0: (laughs) okay again haven't seen it it's not disney movie right it's one of like no it's don bluth don bluth okay He's the one who did, isn't Don Bluth? Aren't isn't that the um, the Sherlock Holmes with the mouse one too? I
1: the or Great one Mouse one. Detective. Yeah, I think yeah. so. and he also yeah. all dogs go to heaven. That's all Don. All dogs Bluth. go to
0: heaven. Yeah. Okay, that's the one about the uh, Iditarod, right? No, that's no, that's, no. that's, that's, that's Balto. Never mind. Yeah, okay. that's a different yeah. one. All right. Oh, time to go. We. Can all
1: right. Anyway. <laughs>
0: I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios.
1: Episode Production, Design, and Editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians.
0: Our X-Files Adjacent episodes are where we cover television films that are, you guessed it, X-Files Adjacent. If you like what we're doing, tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us.
1: Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time. And together we'll try to figure out if if the the truth truth is is still still out out there. The truth is what we make of it.
0: You must have already gave me permission because it just let me record. I did, yes,
1: yeah. I gave you permission, and then I forgot to hit the record button. So you know,
0: okay. Shows that we're both recording.
1: Okay, good. (laughs) Oops,
0: I can't. That's right. I can't minimize the window. Okay, that's fine. All right, close this. All right, I got everything up. Okay, I'm ready. But yeah, Coke, stay off of me, man.
1: All right. <coughs> All right.
0: Okay. Well, let's well, see let's if we that. remember
1: how to podcast because I know okay, to Well, out. we're
0: recording, so that's a plus. <laughs>
1: that's good. That's the first step.
0: <laughs> mm, okay. I actually have, have to talk. All right.
1: <laughs> that is part of podcasting, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, part of me is like, do we need to say, like, hey, it's been a while. We haven't done shit. I know. I know.
1: know It's been kind of a long time. Um, I was going to do that
0: for the X-Files one because if we recorded yesterday, I was actually going to put the X-Files out today and, like, just, like, smash edit it and then put it out so that it's out. But we didn't record yesterday. And so, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. People know we haven't been around.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We've heard, we put out a thing in the feed about how we weren't around and we were coming back and then we didn't. So yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah. I, there's a podcast I listened to that cut off in the middle of like season 15 of married at first sight and like the no explanation, nothing. And I just started season 16. So I'm curious to see if they even say anything about it or oh. if it's just going to go
0: straight. Well, if in. nothing else, maybe, maybe, um, as we get, when we get through the episode and are doing like, you know, the closing out shit, maybe we'll be a little looser and, uh, that'll just it'll just come out then maybe yeah. or or you know, or we can do it with the x-files because it's been a long time x-files is the longest that we've put out an episode we, our last one was like february 3rd Jeez. so
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear okay anyway yeah
0: all right so narration okay <laughs>
1: I used to tell myself that you would wait. I'd borrow time for two and nine twist fate.